This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods. I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, I'm just really excited that we have a weekend of good sports to look forward to. How about yourself? You know, we're recording this early. We're, it's yes. a Friday night. There's an NBA Finals game going on. And you can tell that these are weird times because I have not turned that game on. Um, you're not all. missing anything? Um, yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> this Blakers is just are like, yeah, I don't know the last time I just flat out didn't watch a finals game. I'm an NBA guy. NBA is my favorite like professional sport. So it's pretty telling that this is, I'm just like not really interested in the game at all. And I, I, that makes sense. Bubble basketball in general has just been weird. There's been a, it just doesn't, it's not this, like, it's cool to see these different, you know, teams kind of, even a team like Miami, that's like the five seed making it to the finals. And there's a, you know, Denver had a nice run, as you obviously know, and, you know, that stuff is cool, but, like, just it's not playoff basketball to me. Like, it's not as intense. Like, it, it looks like a bunch of, like, pickup games to me. Like, that's – and not just, like, visually. I mean, just, like, the way guys are playing, like, not a lot of good defense, just not really playoff basketball, and I'm just really not. And especially with the Heat having such key guys going down tonight, it's just, like, you know, I knew what the outcome would be. I'm just not really interested in that game. Or You're the, not alone in that. Uh, yeah. From the NBA Finals game two days ago, viewership is down 50% for like a, a Finals game, which is bananas to me. So did you guys, did you, um, for those of you listening, obviously I'm sure you know about Emily's other podcast, Sports and Corks. Have you, did you discuss that on the latest Sports and Corks? No, because we recorded on Tuesday and then one of our friends who like regularly feeds us numbers on viewership was like, hey, viewership is way, way down for the NBA finals. And I'm like, no, maybe it's just, and he's like, no, <laughs> they're way down. Um, so it's a very, like hearing you, an NBA fan, just being like, oh, I'm just not into it. And then they're probably the folks who are just like, you know, I'm not. And I, like very clearly, this is neither one of us or probably many people that we interact with, but the people who are like, you know, I just don't really want to hear about the social justice. I'm not going to watch the NBA. The players have too much um, like leeway in terms of how they can like be vocal about the issues. Like some people are like, I'm not going to watch because of that. And um, yeah, I think just, it's a weird combination. I'd be interested to see in like a year or two when things are back to like quote unquote normal, what viewership looks like again um, to see if it was just kind of a fluke because of, you know, COVID. This is a, a 
you know, a different podcast topic, but I would yeah. be certainly interested to, to, to speak with you about this. Cause I have a lot of thoughts on that. I have a lot of thoughts on why viewership is down and, and viewership trends, especially among younger NBA fans. Yeah. And yeah, there, I, I have a lot of thoughts about that and certainly like the social justice aspect of it, which, um, it's disheartening to know that there are people who think that way and who watch the league and are invested in the league, but aren't invested in black lives. So yeah, there's, there's, I have a lot of thoughts on that and maybe we'll come together on, on a different topic to talk about that. Cause I, I would be interested to, to get your feedback on that, but oh, yeah. um, everyone listen to sports and corks cause it's amazing. They do great stuff. Oh, thanks for the plug. Of course. You know, we're, we're here to hype each other up. I, you know, always here for it. And I, in the spirit of hyping each other up, you picked real two really good albums this week. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I am excited to talk about those two albums. I'm very excited to talk about the albums that you chose. I actually texted a friend of mine who is kind of like a emo pop punk fan about the panic album. Ooh. And we, we kind of had a, we had a, a dialogue about that because I just, I have a lot of thoughts about that Ooh. and I, I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk about that. So we, these are post-college albums for us. That's what we're discussing today. And so the four albums that we are discussing, I picked two. So I, I graduated college in December of 2010. So I was anything from basically January 2011 to now. And then when did you finish undergrad? I graduated May of 2015. So you were doing anything from summer 15 until now, basically. Yep. So I picked to pimp a butter to pimp a butterfly, which is Kendrick Lamar's second album. It was released in March of 2015. And I also picked an album by Solange called a seat at the table. It's her third album. And it was released um, in January of 2016, actually four years ago, exactly on Wednesday. Oh, wow. And then you picked Death of a Bachelor by Panic at the Disco, which was released in January of 16. And then Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves, which was released in March of 18. Four very different albums. Yes. Four different musical genres. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. But um, why, did you, why did you pick... Why do you pick your two albums? I'd, I'd like to, to know what your thought process was behind picking uh, a Casey Musgraves record and then the Panic at the Disco record. So the Casey Musgraves record I picked because it was really popular. Like it was one of those albums that I heard about a lot and it won album of the year, best country album, um, best country song for Space Cowboy, Best Country Solo Performance for Butterflies at the Grammys in 2019. Um, and it won some country music awards, but like I can't speak to that. I don't know how they judge anything because I'm bad at listening to country music. I listen to Taylor Swift and Casey Musgraves. Um, so part of it, it was because of how popular Golden Hour was. And I think Casey Musgraves performed at some music awards or some award ceremony and I was super impressed by it and she kind of she doesn't like super break the mold break the mold because there are plenty of I feel like a lot of women within country music who are very 
outspoken and they're like, yeah, no, we need to like, just be good to people. Like they're not, um, like you don't listen to their music and think, man, like this woman is like a bigot or whatever. And I'm not saying that listening to like a lot of men in country music is like that, but it can come off that way. And it can come off that they're like, uh, my wife left me and I like every song, my wife left me. I love my dog and my truck. And Casey Musgraves can sound super country, but she also is like very funny and very like light. And I think, um, She's not necessarily trying to go in the same direction as Taylor Swift where she transitioned fully to pop. But yeah, she's like poppy country. She's well-liked and she is well-liked by various identity groups. So I felt like Golden Hour would be a good pick because of that, because like Casey Musgraves is like super respectable and it's like a pretty good album. And then um, Death of Bachelor, I just remember when the album came out, I liked it a lot and before picking it this week i had asked a friend i was like hey like think of an album that came out in the last five years and i'm like i want to make sure that like whatever i pick is something that is like mainstream ish um just going based off of picking golden hour and knowing that that was something that like i like golden hour but it's outside of my go-to music like it's not like spotify's like here listen to casey musgraves so they'd also said like, oh yeah, I remember when Death of a Bachelor came out. I'm like, yeah, that was that was such a good album. Um, so that's both of the albums. It was more, you know, how popular were they since graduating college? Because I feel like I rarely know what is like super popular right now. I don't listen to the radio. I listen to my own Spotify playlists or podcasts or audiobooks. So uh i wanted like a second opinion and those two seemed like two pretty big albums that weren't necessarily the biggest artists out there wasn't another drake album or a beyonce or something like that so i wanted to talk to you let's let's talk about golden hour first yeah i uh, just a couple things so i remember hearing hearing you talk about casey musgraves winning those grammys i'm thinking back to that Grammy night. Cause I do remember that. And I remember her being there and she was kind of like, I think at every, I feel like at every Grammys, there's kind of like a Grammy darling. Yeah. The ceremony, I think yes. like historically from my lifetime, I think about the first person that comes to mind is like Lauren Hill. So when Miss Education Lauren Hill dropped, she won like every Grammy that night. And there's people like, you know, there's a year that Bruno Mars won a bunch of Grammys for, I think it was like an Orthodox jukebox or whatever. Like there's this, maybe every other year or whatever, there's always this like some, whoever's like just in the, in the zeitgeist, whoever's just like the most popular person just wins a bunch of Grammys. And I remember it kind of being like that for her and it, she, her being like the darling of that night. And for me, I'm not a country music listener either. But I remember her being pretty charming, like in her acceptance speeches. And, you know, when people seem like genuinely shocked, that kind of endears you to them and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I just I remember that ceremony. I remember her winning, you know, several Grammys and um, just being like the darling of the night. But I wasn't familiar with her music at all until about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And there's a song that we'll discuss later um, on the album that the, the song is called Rainbow and it's the last song in the album 
And we have been using that song recently to put our son to sleep. Oh. And it works, it works like a charm. It's incredible. Like when he, if he's like a little bit tired, you put on rainbow, you put the pacifier in and he just, he drifts off pretty quickly. So I'm very thankful for that song. I'm thankful for her uh, making that song. I had a question, I guess, for you regarding the record and not just not, not golden hour specifically, but so you're saying that you're not a big country music listener, correct? Correct. Like while I did live in Colorado and go to school in Wyoming and I know a good number of songs from going swing dancing, I don't actively seek this music out. So I don't either, as I, as I just said, (laughs) but like listening to this, I can, I sort of did get like the, the Taylor Swift parallels in terms of like, you know, it's like some pop, you know, pretty heavy pop influence, but she's still, you know, she's, I'm, I think she's from Texas. So yes, she is. You can kind of hear the twang in her voice and things like that, certainly more so than Taylor Swift. But there's there's just like this kind of line, because like I didn't like the album was nice. It was nice to listen to. She has a nice voice. Again, it's not a genre that I'm really heavy into, but I appreciated the album for what it was. There's such a like this line in like country pop. I feel like people who hate country and people who love country both hate country pop. Does that make sense? Because like there's, there's, you know, I live in Iowa. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of country fans here. It's very, it's not a, an unpopular genre of music here. And I know that there are people who just, you know, people on the radio and, you know, there's a really popular sports radio show here. And one of the hosts of the show is like a big country guy. And so he talks about country a lot and he calls it like douche country. Like Like Florida Georgia line. Yes, exactly. So, and I have a friend who likes Florida Georgia line and, you know, we routinely roast him in the group chat for that. He deserves it. Yeah. So like, I remember a couple, (laughs) a couple years ago when I wasn't that, when, when, when I wasn't that familiar with like country pop and I'm still not like, I know what it is now, but this is a time when it was kind of first getting on the scene maybe. And it's like the Thanksgiving NFL game, one of the Thanksgiving NFL games. And the halftime show is Luke Bryan. And I was like, he starts performing and he gets about a minute and a half into his song. And I didn't, I think I'd heard of him before. I might've heard of the song like in passing, but I hadn't like actually sat and listened to the entire song. And are you familiar? Do you remember that? Do you remember him performing at Thanksgiving? It was maybe like maybe four or five years ago. I don't remember him performing, but I surely know a good number of Luke Bryan songs and that very quickly falls into douche country. So he gets up there and he's like, he starts performing and I'm just like, yo, this is fucking horrible. (laughs) Like this is a horrible song. This is awful. And I remember like, it was. Um, is it, it was the popular song he had, uh, shit. What was that? Like, so it was like, probably it country. For me? yes. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that song yeah. sucks. It was awful. <laughs> and I'm just like, horrible. why would you? And I was like, I was like, why would you perform? This is horrible. And I remember looking at Twitter and people were just going in on him. And obviously I have like a very, you know, I don't follow a lot of people who are in the country music, I would guess, but yeah. like they were just roasting them real hard. And so I had, but my question, like I had that in my head as I was listening to this, but like, this isn't like, that's very pop influence, but so is this, but this is not that, you know what I mean? So like, yes. how did you, do you kind of, how, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to find the line of like, 
country that's like pop influence that's good versus like the trash stuff, I guess. And like how, how to like decipher that. Where it's like, how do you know it's in the Casey Musgraves category versus yeah. Luke Bryan or, or like, or like, what, line and- like, how do you like, what, how do you like, it, it's, it's definitely like, I know for a fact that this is a better, like I would rather listen to Casey Musgraves than I would Luke Bryan. Right. Like I know yeah. that for a fact, just off of listening to, to this and then hearing however many, you know, two or three Brian songs I've, I've heard, but like, how did I, how does she do it? I guess that's a, a really, you know, not, it's a, it's a really unsophisticated way of, of framing that question, but it's just like, how, like, how can she be country pop and it's good versus him be country pop and it's bad? Cause she's definitely like, she like, this is definitely good and that's bad. So I'm just trying to figure out like where, like what she does differently, I guess, than him. I think it goes to like her lyrics. Like if Luke Bryan's Shake It For Me had different, well, first of all, let's just change the name of the song. Let's start there. But like, if, like the, mes- the message of the song, the lyrics of the song were like, because he's like objectifying this woman, right? And Casey Musgraves, like Golden Hour is like 100% like this love song album. And her other albums, like she has one where it's like, pageant material and she talks about how she is not like she is telling a story she is talking about her life she there she has a song where she talks about just kind of being like pretty country and like it's fine she's comfortable with it like I think it is partially the narrative (laughs) and just like that what is what makes it a little more desirable to listen to and like you don't listen to the lyrics and cringe and think, man, I should probably watch my drink the next time I go to a party. Um, but also I think she understands that she's doing like this country pop. So she's not trying to lean too much into like the country. So like, again, we're using Luke Bryan for an example and the beginning of that song it's like, it has like a banjo or it's like super, like you listen, you hear it and you're like, ah, oh, this is like Rocky country, like whatever. And it's like, he wants to be pop. Like he, he wants to have something that has like a beat that is like up tempo, and you know that people will play it at functions. But then it like tries to like overcorrect in terms of like the instrumental where it's like, oh, well, if we're going to have like a really good beat, let's throw a banjo in and it'll make it country music. Like what? No, just you can still be country and not, I don't know, be doing too much like country pop. And, but like there are many issues with the quote unquote douche country where it's just, it's doing a lot of things. It's hard to get into listening to it. Whereas you have the other pop country that is Casey Musgraves, Taylor Swift, Marn Morris, um, Oh, I don't know even know if I throw like the Dixie chicks in there, but like the Dixie chicks are country and their music, like their lyrics, they're like, Oh yeah, I can get behind what they're singing about. And they don't try to like be overly twangy because they're not trying to prove that like, Hey, I'm country music. I promise you I'm country music. Like, no, it is what it is. And they know what they are. They know what they're doing, but like plenty of artists who are trying to do the, just be on that line of like, pop country they're like oh no i need i must prove that i make country music so that they don't shun me in nashville i don't i don't know 
So two quick things that you just said that I really identified with, and I think that you art- articulated really well. First of all, the I think that what you're getting at in terms of like her being able to navigate the line between country and pop better than like a Luke Bryan or, or Florida Georgia line or whatever. And Florida Georgia, I mean, both of them, I guess, are Florida Georgia line and Luke Bryan, I would assume are pretty, pretty popular, pretty successful, you know, bands. But like, I definitely agree with what you're saying because she's not like having the signal hey, this is country still, even though it's pop, like she's just, it's a lot more natural. Yes. And I think that those other bands, it's just like more forced and just kind of, it it comes off as cheesy almost. Yeah. And she, you know, this is a very confident album. This is, she's singing the love songs and she's singing about um, the relationship experience, the romantic relationship experience from from the perspective of a woman and, there's songs about, um, you know, heartbreak, but also songs about feeling joyful while being in love. Like every, everything that she does is, is very confident and natural. And I think that that's what lends itself to the album sounding as, as good as it does, or as, you know, as less awful as like something like a, like a Luke Bryan. And then also, I, I definitely got like Dixie Chick, Dixie Chick's vibes off of this album. Mm-hmm. And I say that as someone who, like, that's how big the Dixie Chicks were. I just, like, when I was in, God, I don't remember, I guess I was maybe eighth grade when the stuff with them saying that they were ashamed that Bush was from Texas. Mm-hmm. And that became like this big thing, this big like talking point. And back then, like, this is before I, understood politics in the way that I do now and like fake outrage and like specifically fake conservative outrage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really changed the trajectory of their career because to like, they were one of the biggest acts in music period to that point. And I just like, I remember them being very popular and hearing, I mean, I, they had that wide open spaces song, right? So like that's off top me even knowing the name of that song and being able to recall that now, like that tells you how big of a band that they were. Like they were one, they were a country band, firmly country, but like they were just a huge, huge, like pre Taylor Swift, like as mainstream as country was at that time. And just, you know, the career, it just, it went left off of some stuff that them just being true to themselves, what sucks, but I just find that interesting now in terms of like where country music is in the culture. Cause like a, a, a figure like Taylor Swift sort of looms so large over and her like transition into pop music kind of like looms so large over that industry, I would guess. But this was, it was, it's interesting to think about that in the context of, of listening to this and kind of where country music fits into the, the hierarchy of, of popular music. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, the Dixie Chicks, cause I was definitely thinking about them when I listened to this album. I'll go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was just going to ask if you, I I wanted to talk about the Panic at the Disco album. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I have a lot. I was going to text you about this and I forgot, but like this was listening to this. Well, what do you, are you a fan of Panic at the Disco? I guess. What is your relationship to that band? I would really like to hear you talk about that. So Panic at the Disco, they were really popular I say when I, like, I want to say, oh, when I was a kid, but like, I, again, I feel like if you're under like 40, you're still kind of a kid. Um, they were very popular when I was a youth, 
when I was in middle school, <laughs> um, a fever you can't sweat out came out and like I write sins, not tragedies, just that was the song. Um, and they, they kind of fall into that same category of like fallout boy. And then they kind of over time evolved. Like I think now I would much rather listen to death of a bachelor than I write since not tragedies, but like all of their albums are so different. Um, and this is just like one of their like most, like it's a very strong album in my opinion. And, um, I, I think it just like set them up for like the next album that came up after. I think it's like no rest for the wicked or no rest for the wicked. I can, let me confirm that the next album they put out, but yeah. So it kind of set them up where it was like, they were not really like that emo pop anymore. Pray for the wicked was the name of the album, but um, they were no longer like that emo punk album that we all listened to like along with follow boy like they kind of changed um and became more of like a mainstream like rock alternative whatever and so that's that's kind of where i sit with this album but i do like it i'm very curious about your thoughts on this album because it one saying that you texted a friend about it and then two just like had you interacted with this album before you listened to it this last week not at all. Okay. Um, no, I don't know if I had, I, I don't think I'd heard of the album. I'd heard of Panic at the Disco. That's so, the song that you were mentioning earlier. Is that the one that has like the cello in the beginning? Yes. Okay. So I've heard of that song and I know that that's the Panic at the Disco song. I, I texted my friend who was, she was a big, we used to work together in high school. We worked at a movie theater together and she was really big into My Chemical Romance. Yes. And so... You know, I remember when the Black Parade came out, that album, and her talking about that all the time. And so she was kind of my entry into that type of music. But I don't I mean, I say entry very loosely because I'm still don't I really don't engage with that type of music at all. But I was at least made aware of it by her. And so I texted her about this album. But like it was very confusing listening to this album. And I'll explain why, because. I am a musician, someone who plays music, someone who, you know, is aware of different styles of music. And like, there are songs in this album where it's like four different genres of music smashed together. Yeah. And I just wasn't expecting that. And I was just like, it, I, just, I was so thrown off by it and confused by it, but also just really intrigued by it. And there are songs where it's like, you know, he's given off like Frank Sinatra lounge singer vibes mm-hmm. but also like there's a like a hard like bebop jazz type song on this album there's and it's like that combined with um you know the title track to this song has like an 808 machine 808 drum machine and it's just like a, a rap beat and he is also like singing over it and it's just like there's it's it it was really weird and interesting and intriguing listening to it. Cause it's just like, yeah, I'm used to like, I know what jazz is. I know what, you know, sixties Sinatra lounge singer jazz is. I also know what, you know, Charlie Parker, you know, Charles Mingus bebop jazz is. 
And I also know what like emo pop punk is, even though I'm not as familiar with it, but it's like this album just like smashes all of those genres together. And I was just like, damn, like I just wasn't expecting it. And I'd never really heard anything like it before. So it was really interesting to me to, to listen to. And I just had to like express that to someone who might be more familiar with this album and this type of music than I am. But to hear you say that this is different than their other albums. So they're like, their other albums don't really sound like this or. Yeah, no. So I would say a fever you can't sweat out the, the song, like the album that has that song with the cello that starts it. Um, it, it's pretty, it's emo rock music. And then green gentleman is another album they put out. That's just like very, like they're, it's still like rock, but it's a little more mellow. Um, and, and then, so then this album is just like, it, it has so much more going on and it has what feels like other, or pretty odd is the album that Green Gentleman is on. And it's, but yeah, so this album is just very, it's very different because it does have all of these different types of genres on it. Um, I would say like their album after it, Pray for the Wicked, is like a little more pop rocky than this. Okay. Like there's less of the um like jazz influence. Um it like they had a song that was featured on like one of the college football commercials. So like to me, once you were on like a commercial for like college football, I'm just like, uh yeah. You you are now very mainstream pop rock music. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's like this is there are definitely songs on here too where it's just like, okay, stadium rock, you know, big concerty lead singer is gonna point the mic to the crowd so they sing the words, like that type of music. And so yeah, it's just it's I like listening to it, it was so I don't know what I was anticipating, but it was so like not what I was anticipating. That it just like threw me. It's like going to, you know, like you're going to the movie theater and you're expecting to see like a Marvel movie. And what you end up seeing is like a German film. <laughs> like just something completely like oh. completely like not what you I don't mean that in a bad way, though. Yeah. I just mean it in a way that it's just like not like you're you're anticipating one thing and you get something completely different from that. And so in a way you know, like it really, it makes me engage with the music more because it's making me think more because I'm processing like, okay, this is not what I expected it to be, but it's something that I know, like I'm familiar with that type of music. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little later on when we get to the Kendrick Lamar record, but like the different types of music that they're playing and that they're influenced by, like I'm familiar with it. So I, I have that, I speak that language, so to speak. Yeah. But to to have that all like mashed up into one, it was just like I found it like really experimental and just really interesting and really intriguing. So I'm glad you picked it because it was something certainly a, an album that I wouldn't have listened to otherwise. But I'm glad that you were pleasantly surprised by it. It was definitely when I went back and forth on I'm like, oh, do I pick this one or do I just go with the album the weekend released at the beginning of the year? And then I was like, well, I feel like that's kind of 
cheating because I'd just be like, yeah, like we picked an R&B album that we both probably really enjoy. <laughs> well, it's interesting that we like, so you picked stuff that was pretty close to after you, or at least this one, this one's pretty close to after you graduated, but like me, yeah. I didn't pick any like 20, 2011 through 14 albums. And it, it really never even, I knew I was going to do the Pimp a Butterfly yeah. off the top, but like I could have gone in, in a different direction, could have gone earlier, but I didn't. So I just, I don't know. I thought that was interesting about myself, I guess. Do you want to talk about to Pimp a Butterfly? Cause I have like some questions about it. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about it. What, 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 what questions I've been leading the questions here. So why don't you, what, what do you have for me to answer? I guess. Yeah. Um, one, like, why'd you pick it? And like, where were you at when in life, when it came out and, um, like re listening to it, where are you at? Like, is it, do you feel different now listening to it than you did when it first came out? I do. I do feel different about it now in subtle ways. Okay. But especially listening to it compared to the Solange album. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk, we'll talk about that when we get into the Solange album, but like, so I remember very vividly where I was when this album first dropped. I was at work when this album first dropped. I was working for a public school district in the suburb of Des Moines called Waukee. I was working for the Waukee school district in the district office. And I think this is around the time, you know, when Beyonce released her self-titled record in like 2014, 2013, whenever that was, mm-hmm. that was kind of like a watershed moment because she just dropped it out of nowhere. Like it, there was no promotion. There was no, not a lot of people knew she was working on an album at all. And then one night in the middle of the night in like December or whatever, all of a sudden there's just like this album and it's called Beyonce. And she has like 12 videos that go with each of the songs. And it's like, a you know, drunken love and all this other stuff. Partition. It was like a big, it was a big deal. And there was a big deal because she just dropped it out of nowhere with, with no promo. And it kind of added to the mystique to, of it. And people were just like really astounded by that. And so after that happened, a lot of like big artists started doing that. They started just dropping albums out of nowhere. And I think that this is one of those albums that kind of like kind of dropped out of nowhere without a lot of promotion. And I was at, I was at work and I, you know, by that time, by the time this album came out, I really did not like that job anymore. And so I was probably procrastinating or not being as, um, on my job as I should have been. And I just like sat and listened to the album at my desk mm-hmm. And the, the first song at some, I'll talk about just briefly Kendrick Lamar, who is just like an incredible, incredible rapper. He's not someone that I was, he's not my favorite rapper. And I don't, I mean that in the sense of like, he's just literally not my favorite one. I have other favorite rappers, but he's someone that I admire a great deal. I admire his talent a great deal. I think he's great. And his first album was Good Kid Mad City which is an album that I still haven't sat down and listened all the way through before. Like I've listened to most of the songs on it, but it's not one that I've sat down. I could have done that one, but I didn't. And, um, but this is his second album. And like, so I hear that Kendrick Lamar has an album that's just dropped. I must've heard about it on social media or whatever. And so I look it up and I start listening to it and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get what he's doing. And 
off of what I just said about like speaking the language. Like he drops basically at, you know, good kid, mad city is a um, pretty straightforward rap album. You know, it's, it's, it's great. It's a, you know, it's one of those, you know, debut classic albums, like a Nas Illmatic, like a Biggie ready to die, you know, like that type of first young rapper album that people identify immediately as a classic. But he does that and then he drops this and it's like a jazz fusion record. It's like, you know, it's avant-garde jazz. It's um, 70s funk. It's all of these, like he's borrowing from all of these different types of black music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, the first song that I heard was For Sale, which is like a, this like a, a spiral gyro record, which very few people will get that reference, but it's, that's like a, a progressive jazz band, jazz fusion band. And I'm just like, this is not, I'm like, I, I understand this. I know what this is. Like, I know what you're trying to do here and I'm here for it. I, I respect it. Like, let's go. And then I heard the rest of the album. I'd like listened to it in succession and it's brilliant. It's a brilliant, you know, for a guy who's considered like at the time and still now, but like as a, as a guy who is considered like the best rapper, like in the lineage of a Tupac in the lineage of a Snoop in the lineage of, you know, name any historically, you know, Biggie, Jay-Z, Nas, whoever else, like name any historically great rapper who's released great rap albums. And then this guy drops Sign of the Times, basically. Like he drops this expansive instrumental, you know, just cra- like there's spoken word on this album. There's all like, it's just crazy. It's just, it's a hard zag from, from anything any other rapper would have done. And, um, I was like, I get it. Like I speak this language. I understand this. And I knew not, I, I know I'm sounding like a snob now, but I was like listening to it. I was like, there's a lot of people who won't understand this, who won't, who won't understand what he's trying to do, but I do understand what he's trying to do. And so I immediately loved it. Um, you, I'll talk a little bit more about the album probably, but like, what, what did you think? Uh, have you, had you listened to this album before? I'd listened to songs off this album before and I, when I was in grad school, someone I took a class with was like, I'm going to do my like master's thesis on to pimp a butterfly. Um, full disclosure, this man is white and would like sing the lyrics from the songs. Wow. And I'm like, wow. I was like, you can't say that word. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, no, it's fine. Cause I'm singing. And I'm like, no, Jesus. (laughs) And that was when I was like, Ooh, Wow. This is going to be a thing the rest of my life, correcting white men being like, dog, you cannot say that word. Wow. That word's not for you. And then they're like, but you use it. I'm like, it's different. Oh, my God. So, like, I think of that when I think of this album because of all of that, where I'm just like, oh, that's cool that you want to do, like, your thesis on To Pimp a Butterfly because of the lyrics, and they're great. Like, I do the song I, but, like... Mm -hmm. um, other than that, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't listened to the whole thing like through, but like it's good. Like Kendrick is good, and um, yes, yeah, so I'll forever think of that, and I'll think of that person, and I'll be like, uh, wow, <laughs> like it wow, doesn't wow. matter. Like you can be a person who's like pretty with it and still be like, uh, cringe. Mm-mm. 
So that's a, that's a big nope. It's a big nope. And then I was like, ah, Wyoming, and ah, uh, you're from Colorado Springs, and wow, I'll pray for you. That's wild. It, uh, but we'll, we'll talk more <laughs> about that offline. <laughs> but to pimp a butterfly, like the album, very good, and um. Of course, I was re-listening to it this week. I thought of that, but I was also like, yeah, no, the lyrics are great and the storytelling is great. And um, I, I think probably at the time it came out, I probably would have been like, ah, it's an album. This is fine. I will mm-hmm. listen to this. Like it, it did come out when I was still in undergrad and um, probably still at a place in undergrad where I was like, I just don't really care about anything. I just, I'm trying to make it. Um, but now, as, as we'll talk about when we talk about the, categories of the songs um i'm like oh this is like really good for right now yeah yeah for sure so um yeah i think he's very i mean that's not great that after a couple years that this is still very relevant but um i think it's probably this album's probably very relatable to a lot of black people in america (laughs) for sure for sure and you know this is you know, Obama was in office when this when this yeah. one dropped. You know what I mean? Like this isn't um this isn't a, a Trump era album. So it just it does, it shows like how, you know, I say that to people too, just like kind of getting off subject a little bit. Like Black Lives Matter started when Obama was in office, bro. Like yeah. this isn't a this is not like this is a response to generations of trauma and generations of oppression. And so, you know, Kendrick doing this, this album and kind of, you know, I've talked about it musically, but like also lyric wise, like you said, like it's very, it's very prescient. It's very prophetic in ways. And it's just, you know, he's expressing himself. He's expressing his disillusion with disillusionment of with America and America's relationship to blackness. And, you know, songs like the black or the berry is just, you know, he's, talking about his relationship to blackness and black people's relationship to each other. And it's just a lot. It's very dense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he employs some people like, an, like Anna Wise is on a couple of songs who she's like a, she's a singer who's, who's really great. And um, people like Bilal, who was on, um, I think Bilal's uh, on this record as well. And he was also on the common record that we talked about for high school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's just, you know, Thundercat too. I have to say, I have to mention Thundercat. Thundercat is a bass player and he is on this album and and just Thundercat is just one of the best musicians alive and, you know, just incredible, incredible bassist, incredible like funk bassist, just, just off the charts. So musically, this is off the charts. And lyrically, this is off the charts. And his style, I, I, I might have mentioned this in the last podcast offhand, but like his style of rapping, like his voice, his voice is an instrument mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of rappers aren't. Like a lot of people just rap or, you know, just whatever. But he is, inflections are changed based on the song. And like a song like All Right, where he's, I, the first time I heard that song, I was just like, okay, like he's rapping there's a part at the end of the song where he's like, he's rapping like he's playing a snare drum and he's using like accented 16th notes to rap. And he's just like, and it's just, I, I, the first time I heard that shit, I was like, okay, yeah, he's different. Like he's different than these other dudes with what he's able to do. 
and just like a really singular brilliance. So he's just, he's incredible. And the album is incredible. If, if possible though, I would like to talk about the Solange record. Yes. I'm interested in one, why you picked it and like, had you listened to it prior to this last week? I picked it because I wanted to listen to it because I hadn't. Okay. I, I, you know, Cranes in the Sky was the popular song from the album. And I remember when the album was released and it being like people saying how, how great it was and how amazing it was. And it's, it's just one that I um, unfortunately just never sat down and listened to. And what a mistake that was because this is, this is the type of album where this is why we're doing this for me. Like it's to discover like great albums that we just haven't, listen to or might not have engaged with fully from different time periods because what a phenomenal album this is this is just like just really really incredible and for us to do this podcast and to listen to music like this like this is why i wanted to do this with you because like this has become immediately like one of my favorite albums ever this is just an incredible incredible album um what did you think of it I really enjoyed it. It was also an album that I'm like, oh, I need to listen to it. Like my roommate, my roommate listens to a lot more music than I do. Um, typically when I need music recommendations, I ask him. And this one is very good. And I regret not listening to it sooner. Like I listened to it a couple of times through throughout the week. And I was just like, man, like I really enjoy this. Like this is very pleasant but like if you're actually listening to the lyrics it's like oh my gosh like she's making a point like it doesn't just sound pleasant to sound pleasant um very very much enjoyed it i just think that it's so amazing for her to you know listening to her sing there's some of her inflections where I'm like, okay, I can hear Beyonce, right? Like I can tell that you're related. You, there's a lot of similarities in their, in their tone and in their inflection, but you know, this is a total zag from something that Beyonce would do. And we've already talked about, you know, her brilliance in when we did the, the writings on the wall album. And we kind of just briefly touched on her, um, her career since then. But like, you know, this is Solange's lane. And she's just, she's, she's amazing. These songs, like the lyrical content and like the, the interludes with like the interviews with her mom and her dad and with Master P. And this is why, so a, a minute ago, I said that I felt differently about a pimp to, to pimp a butterfly after listening to this album, after listening to a seat at the table, I think that this is the better album uh, between the two of those, but I kind of see them as like companion pieces. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is the better album just because this is just like, you know, it's not as expansive because she's not trying to be as expansive as, as Kendrick was on that record. But like, this is so much more like Kendrick, like that album is very insular and it's very like focused on him and how he's feeling and his relationship to blackness. And it's very much from, it's like almost like a first person perspective. And this is like the third person perspective, a seat at the table. This is more like, let's, let's, let's parse through this together. Like she's taking us all on a journey for us to like engage in a dialogue. Like this is a dialogue and to pimp a butterfly is a monologue, but this one is just like, 
I just see this as so much more um, inclusive isn't the word I'm looking for, but like, this is so much more, um, it's more communal. That's the word. This is a very communal album. This is an album for black people. Yes. In a way that's in a way that to pimper butterflies an album for a black person. If that does, does that make any sense at all? Yes. Like it's, like Kendrick is more focused on the individual, whereas Solange is focused on the community. Exactly. Exactly. And she's trying to engage in a dialogue with the community. And of course it's from her perspective, but like this, this, this album is so much more like, you know, like, let's like, let's talk about it. Like everyone like this. I, it's, it's just, I had visions of just like a group of people like vibing and then like talking about what's going on. And it's just, it's, I I can't say enough positive things about this album. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it's very, you know, there's a lot of Prince vibes in this as well, Mm -hmm. which of course I love. So um, it was, it was just really, really great. Um, Listening to this album, I guess, did you, did, did, did you compare it also? Did you also compare it to, to Pimp a Butterfly or like, what did you like? what are your thoughts on like, these are two very black albums. Yes. Like it's not just two albums made by black people. It's very like, it's two albums about the black experience, like explicitly. So like, how did you kind of feel about listening to to those two in that regard? In that regard, just because like they were both speaking to like the black experience, I kind of had to listen to them. Like I said, like multiple times to just be like, Oh yeah, I'm trying to catch everything you're trying to say and communicate because there is like a deeper message. Like there's a message behind this. Um, and like how I said, Oh yeah, you could just like listen to a seat at the table and like have it on as like a, you know, background sound. Cause like it, the instrumentals are really pleasant, but like you sit and listen and you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is very heavy. But like it, is a little like it feels a little more um uplifting whereas like you listen to the Kendrick album and you know what you're getting into you're just like oh yep I'm ready I'm ready to like be challenged in like my the space that I occupy as a black person um so like having them together like they do they go together well just because it kind of gets that whole okay, so this is me thinking about like internally how I feel about this versus, okay, this is me within my community navigating this really not great situation. I agree completely. I, it's just, um, you know, in these times more than ever, we, we need, um, we need music to, to kind of help us process this yes. experience. Yes. This this experience of of living as as black people in this in this space. And it's uplifting and inspiring to me to see artists kind of take whatever hurt or anger or joy or whatever it is that they're feeling as a black person in America and like expressing it in their art. And, you know, this is really cool to me. And so I'm glad that we were able to listen to these. And just have a dialogue about it in general. I just, it's great. Great albums, two great albums, but like, yes, 
um, a seat at the table is just like incredible. And then I also want to make sure I, I listen to the follow-up that came out last year, uh, which is when I get home. Um, that is, I've listened to a little bit of that, but that's another one that I need to like sit down and listen to all the way through. So shout out to Shalange. Incredible. Yeah. Amazing. She, she really, um, and like, I guess I'm more, I'm super impressed that, you know, she had a hand, a major hand in the album and, um, like just about every song she like helped produce, um, and write. Mm-hmm. And this is where I like am sad with Beyonce. That's not always the case for her. Yeah. Um, which, which kind of is, um, her music is still good, but there is a layer to music when like the artist is like writing what they're producing. Like yeah. they're, they're pouring themselves into it. It's a, like, it becomes a lot more personal and I think it can speak a lot more to like their experience versus like what we think is going to sell mainstream. And I don't think Beyonce has to worry about that anymore. Like it's not like partition can be played on the radio, but the, I don't know. Like this is definitely like a personal thing where I'm just like, man, if I'm, I want to hear like, how do you genuinely feel? And like, if this flops, like, I want to know that this was like you being, you just like caring about making sure it's your own words. Sure. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's more personal and it's just a different skill set. Yes. And it's, oh, um, yes. it's, you know, not everyone can do both. It's not, yes. there's, not everyone is a singer songwriter. And for Solange to do what she did on this album and, and have be so involved in the, you know, I was, I was looking up this album and like doing a little bit of, you know, Wikipedia reading and just like reading articles and reviews about it and stuff. But like, you know, Cranes in the Sky, she'd written 10 years earlier. She'd written that in like 08 or whatever. And um, I guess that would have been eight years earlier. But, you know, she, it, it had gone through different, you know, different versions or whatever, but like she'd been working on music that would end up on this album for, you know, years and years writing music and producing music. And, you know, it's just, it's a testament to her talent and her ability to, you know, produce art that will last and stand the test of time and not worrying about the length of time that it, that it takes to do that. And just having that, you know, having the vision that she does and just um, pouring herself into it. And the results are just, were just phenomenal. So what an album just, I was listening to it and I was like halfway through and I was like, this shit is just incredible. It's really incredible. So yeah, it's definitely an album everyone should listen to. Yes. hundred percent. Do you want to get into the categories for the albums? Let's do it. All right. We'll start with To Pimp a Butterfly. What was the best song to you? This was hard. I, yes. you know, there were, there were like three or four that I would have, would have gone with. Um, I went with you. And, you know, I just sort of somewhat criticized this album for it being so insular. But this song is a very insular song. And he's kind of like, it's a, he's, it's a song about him hating himself and yeah. trying to like reckon with, the parts of himself that he hates or, or that he doesn't like. 
and um, this kind of inner dialogue that he's having. And like the lyrics are brilliant and the music is brilliant. So it's just, it's incredible. So, I, but I mean, you can say that for like nine songs on this album. So, but I went with you. What did you pick? That's a very good pick. Um, definitely agree with that. Like you could easily pick a number of songs to be the best song. Um, I picked the black or the berry probably just, if you'd asked me either six months ago or probably six months from now, like it might be different, but um he's just navigating being black and just like, like you said, where it's just like the relationship to like other black people and like to the country that we live in where um, it's like not the best to be black. And so just like, there's like an anger to it that I'm like, yes, vibing with this. I don't know what that says about where we're at right now, but the black or the berry. Good pick. Um, I agree with everything you just said. And then also like, this is a, a, again, an example when I first listened to the album, like the la- the outro of this song, like he ends, he ends his rapping. And then like the last minute and a half is just like a jazz instrumental. And I'm just like, that's, you know, I get it. Like, I understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So great song. What did you pick for worst song? I picked for free, um, which like hearing you talk about for free earlier, I still am like, no, I didn't, didn't vibe with it. Um, it was probably the lyrics. It was definitely the lyrics. I was just like, this isn't, I don't love it. So I might've misspoke cause I meant to say for sale. I hope okay. I said for sale instead of for free. Oh. I get, I, I, you know, this is, so this was like a spoken word one. Like this is just him, oh, like kind yeah. of. Um, you know, him doing spoken word poetry over uh, a, again, like a, a bebop jazz instrumental behind him, and there's like a poem in the beginning with the woman, and it's kind of this. I, you know, I didn't pick this as worst song, but I could see it because it's just like it. Sometimes he gets a bit heavy handed, and so the heavy handed is he's like making it's a metaphor about like America and how, um how America views black people and stuff, but it's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of heavy handed and kind of like, I don't think it's super effective. So I understand that pick for sure. What song did you pick for the worst song? I did. You ain't got to lie. I like the song, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just not as effective as the other ones to me. It's kind of, um, it's, um, the subject of the song is just kind of superficial to me. It's just kind of just like, um, he talks about a, a couple different things, but it's just, I don't know. It's this song that I return to the least. Some people like love the song. I don't know. I just, it's the song that I just like listen to the least off the album. Yeah. I feel like that's like a, <laughs> a better way to phrase it. Not the worst song, but just like, yeah, it's, you just don't come back to it a lot. Yeah, for um, sure. What song is most singable to you? All right. That's uh, the song I was talking about earlier with him. You know, he really uses his, he uses his voice as a weapon, man. He's just so good on the song and the, you know, he's his style and, you know, it's produced by Pharrell and um, the chorus is great. And it's a really popular song. It's a really uplifting song. It's the most uplifting song on the album. And for this to come, I think in succession, this comes right after you. So you, he's pretty down on himself. 
Hmm. But he goes right into all right, where it's just like, hey, man, we're going to be good. Collectively, me as a person, collectively us as a black people, we're going we're gonna to be all right. So I love it. And it's just really singable, the chorus. What did you pick? All right is a great song. I picked I um, because it is a song that like I'm I was probably most familiar with, but I also like it's just super upbeat to me. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah, that is what I'm attracted to. And I like it. And I listen to it when I run. Love it. This is I want to we have to talk about this really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we I is a great song incredible song really uplifting i remember when this album came out and like i was the lead single from the album yeah and the single version is different than the album version but people were just like it was almost like people were like they felt it was too upbeat and i was like why like why would you mm-hmm. like it's that's was really dumb to me especially considering listening to the rest of the album subject yeah. matter <laughs> yeah but um but it's a great song and i just have to shout out the isley brothers so this song samples the Osley brothers uh who's that lady and you know we talked about um last week ignorance shit which um samples between the sheets which also um big papa samples um shout out to the Osley brothers man like there's just so many Osley brothers songs that like have been sampled in rap and r&b and they're like you know one of the greatest bands ever um have been around since the 60s and like they're just they went through different versions in the 60s and the 70s and and stayed relevant and they're just the Isley brothers are like just incredible and i'm all always gonna shout them out so shout out to Isley brothers um most underrated what'd you go with i went with how much a dollar cost um just like listening to again the lyrics and kind of the meaning and like the value and um it was, it was one that I was just like, Oh, like you're telling a story about coming across someone who's poor and like, how do you navigate that? And I, I don't know. I was like, Oh, this could have, this is a song that again would be pretty relevant today to pimp a butterfly across the board. is probably pretty relevant, but that's one that I'm like, Oh yeah, this is one to like meditate on almost. For sure. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how this album came out during the Obama administration. I remember, you know, he used to do those things where at the end of each year where he would put like his favorite albums and his favorite books and his favorite songs. And one of the favorite songs he put was how much a dollar cost. So great song. Yeah. What did you pick for most underrated? I picked for sale. That's the song that I talked about at the top and that we just kind of discussed briefly, but like that was the first song I listened to on this album and it comes in the middle, but like, it's, you know, lyrically it's great. Like he's talking about, and this is a theme throughout the, the, the album where he's like trying to resist the devil. Basically it's talking about Lucy, right? Lucifer Mm -hmm. and how, you know, Lucy tries to seduce him and, um, and he's trying to like stay away. Like, you know, he's basically saying like fame is the devil and being entrapped in this, famous lifestyle as a rapper is like, it'll cause you to lose your soul. So I enjoy that aspect of the song. And then like the music again, it's just like jazz fusion. It's crazy. Great song. Let's do a seat at the table. What did you pick for best song? 
don't touch my hair. Very oh. convicted when you said when you said that. Yeah, I've said it enough in my life that I was <laughs> like, "Hey, this yeah. is a song." Um, very much enjoyed it. It it's like one. It like actually is a wonderful sounding song, but also like that speaks to an experience that yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I would feel like all of us have. Um, like. I think many black women get really good at the like bob and weave so that people don't touch your hair. It's just mm-hmm. so rude. Um, yeah. So that's my song. <laughs> great, great pick. What'd you great pick? pick? I picked, um, where do we go? That's a good pick. Uh, it was, it was great. This one specifically, when I talk about Prince vibes, this is definitely early Prince vibes. And also there's a subject matter. It's just like, you know, where do we go as a people? Where do we go from here? What do we, you know, how are we going to progress? And I love it. Great, great song. It's a very good song. Um, what'd you pick for the worst song? Again, so this is one where it's just like, it's, there's no bad songs in the album, but this one is just, I picked Scales. It's the last song on the album. And mm-hmm. I'm big on, I, I say it almost every episode, I'm big on album openers and closers. And this one is a closer that isn't like, it's not one of the elite album closing songs to me. And for a, a, an album of this caliber, I would have liked for, for it to just like close on like a, a higher note in terms of like having like a song that blew me away. But this one didn't blow me away. Not that I'm saying it's a bad song at all. It's a good song, but that's why I picked it. What did you pick? That's, that's fair that you say that because the album opens very strong. Yes, um, I also picked scales cause I was just like, again, the album is great start to finish, but I was like, ah, uh, this is not the one that I'm like, I like listen and I'm like, Oh yes, I want to like, I still want people to listen to it, but it didn't jump out as much. So kind of similar. I, you know, obviously I picked it too. So I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what was most singable to you? I did Cranes in the Sky. That was the, uh, that was the lead single. And it's the song I was the most familiar with and I knew the lyrics too. And it's really like, this is, uh, you know, it has a, a chorus that's very singable, but like the lyrics are really deep. And, you know, she's just like, I tried to tried to hide my problems. I tried to drink my problems away. I tried to sleep them away. I tried to, um, you know, I tried to do all this stuff to, to avoid processing my trauma basically. And, you know, talking about how unhealthy that is. And as someone who is trying to become more emotionally literate, I guess I really connected with it. So that's why I picked it. But like chorus is definitely like single and I'm just really familiar with the song and I know most of the words. What did you, what did you pick? I also picked don't touch my hair. Um, because I listened to it repeatedly and was like, yes, this is it. This is a song. I don't know. I, I don't think a single song off of this album, I would sing it karaoke. I just feel like it's not the vibe, but like, yeah, that's the one I'll like in my car alone play very loud and sing. For sure. What did you do for underrated? Most underrated? I did. I'm going to maybe mispronounce it. Is it supposed to be like um, FUBU? Yeah, for yeah, us yeah. Bias? Um, because I just was like, wow, this, that is talking. I'm like, 
the black experience, like in a community space and coming together. So I was like, yes, this, this is great. Why was this not the song that's on everything? Did you have FUBU food, the clothing back in the day? No, I just found out today that that's a clothing brand. Really? You just found out today? (laughs) When I was like making sure that it was not a popular, because I was like, this song feels like it should be like a popular song. And then it wasn't, but like it came up with the clothing brand. I'm like, oh, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I I wore a lot of FUBU in my youth. Oh man, that was a moment. Was it, is it not cute or is it super cute? Like, what is it? No, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, it's, the, it's, they had like jeans, they had like jackets. It's, it was, you know, they might've had shoes. I don't remember, but they, it's, it's like the logo was like FB and it almost looked like the Warner brothers logo. Oh, um, but it was, yeah. I mean, it was just a moment, right? It was, you know, forced by us. It was close for black people. So of course we, we had it and. I don't know. That was God. Uh, maybe late elementary, early middle school type stuff. There was FUBU, and then it kind of transitioned in the South Pole. That was with oh, a lot yeah. of okay. what a lot of black kids wore back then. So I remember that. I remember that being the the look. Yeah, and then really expensive throwback jerseys. Sorry, mom, for making you buy those. Because I would only wear like once or twice. Yeah, she still gets on me for that today. I mean, like that's fair. To me, I'm like, why? Why are these jerseys so expensive? Like, why are so many things so expensive? And yeah. you wear it one time a year. Yeah, that's it's neither here nor there. We're not a fashion podcast. <laughs> what was the most underrated song to you? I picked "Where Do We Go Again." That's just not one that I, um, you know, the only really big song from this was "Cranes in the Sky." So I hadn't really heard of any other ones. But yeah, um, I just feel like "Where Do We Go" needs to have more, more play because it's incredible. I agree with that. I th- it is really strange that Cranes in the Sky was the only song that yeah. like, really had like a lot of popular because overall the album is like very highly praised. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And so that's just like a very interesting thing to me that there weren't more singles off the album for an album to be so popular. I agree. Yeah. It was just like, got a lot of critical like praise and people were talking about how amazing it was. And then, yeah, only one single, I'm pretty sure. So weird. Probably because it's such a good album. (laughs) You didn't need to release a bunch of singles. Very deep album. Uh, Let's go to golden hour. What did you select for the best song for golden hour? So I think the song golden hour is the best song. Um, I, a sucker for love songs. I just, I love it. It's so pleasant. It's so nice. It's kind of a tragedy that like she's divorcing the guy she wrote this album about. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's pretty recent. So it's a 2020 development. And so hopefully 2021, we have a really good Casey Musgraves album. That's probably about (laughs) lighting things on fire, which like that's the 2020 mood. Love it. We're here for it, but it is like not great that she's getting divorced. Don't love that. Um, what is, what did you think was the best song? I picked rainbow. I had to. We, yeah. It checks out. <laughs> we, we keep, hey, it's the one, it was funny. Like when you told me, when you gave me this pick, I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, wait, I recognize this album cover from the YouTube that we keep pulling up from Malcolm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's a good song. It's a really, it's a really beautiful song. 
Um, this is another, it's an album closer. So, you know, it's a, a strong song, but very, um, you know, it's the piano ballad. So it's, you know, it's, it's beautiful in that sense, but also the lyrics just like very, you know, hopeful, very hopeful lyrics. So, um, really great. What did you pick for, what did you pick for our song? Um, Right after I say I love a good love song, I picked Love is a Wild Thing is the worst song. Because <laughs> I just uh, wasn't vibing with it. Um, even when I like would play this album, and just Casey Musgraves in general, I'm just like, I don't love this song. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what did you think was the worst song? I put Space Cowboy. I just, I don't know, wasn't, I, I went back and forth between this one and the Velvet Elvis song. Oh. I just, I don't, it's just not my vibe. I get it. It's just yeah. not my vibe. That, that checks a little, out. A little too twangy for me. I, you know, I respect that. And like, given this is just so far outside of like the norm for any of the albums we're listening to. Yeah. It checks yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> what song was most singable to you? I had to do it again, man. Rainbow. I had to because I sing it a lot. I just started humming it to myself, and like Rosa, like knows all of it now. Oh, she sings it all the time. She has that. an incredible. She has an incredible memory for for song lyrics. It's really weird, and she can also actually sing. I'm not saying that just because I'm her father. Like she actually, <laughs> like can sing on key, which oh. I didn't realize was it. Like I, I don't know. Maybe I was naive or whatever. But like she was listening this is now a podcast about my daughter apparently it's okay she was like she was like listening to something she was, she sings all the time but she was like listening to some they're like youtube videos of kids singing frozen songs oh. like songs songs from the movie frozen and like most of the kids are not on key but she is like whenever she sings those songs she's if she's watching the movie if she's not watching the movie like she still is in the right key which is crazy to me but yeah, she sings this all the time. I hum it to myself. So I went with Rainbow. Great song. What'd you pick? Um, I picked High Horse because it is a song. It's been remixed where like it is sped up and has like a more of a beat. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a song that I'm like, oh, it's very versatile. Like you can do a lot to High Horse and it's like very fun. And um, I don't know if the lyrics are like super fun, but overall I think the song is like fun and I jam to it in my car. This is a good song. I enjoy that song. It was this is high horse. I think is like the most poppy song or am I thinking? Yeah. It's like really poppy and it's like, it's like kind of snarky. Yeah. Okay. So, which probably it fits that it's very poppy and it like, uh, like one of the bars I used to go to RIP, they would play it and it was like yeah. a, not like it was a dive bar as yeah. much as I love those. Like it was a like normal bar that played pop music and okay. this was a song they played a lot. So I'm like, Oh yeah, this must be like the most. Yeah. Yeah. Upbeat. It sounds like a song that you would hear at a bar. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, what song was most underrated to you? I was wonder woman. Mm-hmm. I just like the lyrics, you know, she's like, Hey, I don't need, you know, I, I like, I like songs or like just, you know, pieces of culture where it's just like, women don't have to be like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm the, the badass, I'm the strong, like just, I'm just normal. I'm a normal person. 
Yeah. And that's kind of what that song is about. It's just like, you know, I want the same things as everyone else. Like, don't, I don't have to be some like magical creature. Like I'm a person who exists in the world. I'm trying to like navigate it just like anyone else. I'm trying to navigate relationships just like anyone else. I'm trying to navigate whatever else in my life. So that's why I like that song. Thought it was underrated. What did you pick? I picked happy and sad. I just like listening to it. I'm like, yes, this is a mood. This is a forever mood. And I don't know if it would ever be a like on the radio song or, you know, a song played at a bar. So like, well, but it's such a like relatable song, which that's not a great word to use. Um, because that is how a lot of like women's songs are described, but men's songs aren't described as relatable. This is right. for a different thing, but like, it's a feeling that I'm like, yes, I, I hear this song and I'm like, yes, this is how I would assume everyone feels at some point. This is like, so this song is kind of about, she's like feeling happy and sad at the same time because of the person she's with, or is that what that one's about? That like, yeah. And like just the situation. And so I don't know. It's, it's like she's talking, she enjoys who she's with, but like, I don't know. You you can is, be happy about it and still be like, uh, okay. <laughs> is it, would you say it's like a romantic song or is it like, I'm, I know the song. I'm just trying to like kind of parse what it's about, I guess. It's like a, it's like a romantic song. It's like the, you know, I'm with you and I'm like, I feel really happy about it and I'm really like, I'm really up about it and like, I don't want to come off of like this high of being with this person, but like, he, I'm, I'm ready if things are going to like fall apart. Right. Right. Okay. Um, I get it. And so it's just like, uh, I don't, I don't want it to end, but like, I think there's, um, there's an end. There is an okay. expiration date on this relationship. Sure understandable yeah like that yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so death of a bachelor what was the best song to you i picked the title track i went with death of a bachelor it's jam just yeah it's just that's the one that has like the 808s on it and it's kind of just like this almost like a trap beat but he's also, it has like the lounge singer aspect of it. Like, this is one where I was just like, there's like four different types of songs in one here. It was crazy, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to it. So I went with Death of the Bachelor. What'd you pick? I went with Hallelujah because it, it just has a lot going on with it. It's a very fun song. It's very, Again, comparing like old Panic at the Disco songs, I'm like, this is very different, but like still very similar. And Brandon Urie has like, I think he has a really great voice. I might be in the uh, the grouping of just all these former emo kids who are like, yeah, like Brandon Urie, he's good. <laughs> um, and so enjoy his voice on it. I was back and forth between Death of a Bachelor and this one. So, and Hallelujah. So, great pick. I, I enjoyed it too. And I think that, yeah, he definitely has a, a wide vocal range. Yes. Yeah. I think he has a good voice. Agreed. What song did you think was the worst song? I went with Golden Days. And I've said it before on these 
episodes when we when we talk about albums like this, but I just I don't have a lot of <laughs> intelligent things to say about these types of songs because or these types of albums in terms of criticism because it's just I'm still like kind of learning, still kind of learning what I like and what I don't like and what would be considered good or not. But like this one, I just didn't really connect to the song that much. I say that a lot on these more song choices, but like, I just didn't really vibe with this one. So that's why I picked it. What did you pick? I also picked that, but to be fair for the albums we picked for the most part, we picked pretty good albums. We did. Yeah. Um, Like there hasn't been a week where I'm like, man, that was a dud of an album. Like most of the albums have been really good. And the artists have been very good. So it's like, it's not that they're going to put out like a bad song. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the exception of the Usher album. Like- I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's so crazy. Cause it's just like that. The highs on that album were so high. Yeah. Like the highs are as high as any album we've listened to. Like it's just, there's so many elite songs on that album. But like you get to the back half and I was just like, there's some trash songs on here. Yep. And that songs that have not aged well. Yep. So, so yes, with, with this, um, with golden days, like, it's not that it's like not a great song. Um, it just is not the strongest song on the album to me. Sure. Understandable. For most singable, what did you go with? Don't threaten me with a good time. That was like, I think of the, when this, album was out like i had a friend who had a her bachelorette party and i was like this is it and then we went to the bachelorette party and this is not this song was not applicable in any way shape or form it was a fun time but it was not like a party um only the bride and i were fans of drinking wine so (laughs) there was no threat of a i mean there was a threat of an okay time um but yeah i think it's I think it's like a fun song and it's fun to sing and it's a good, this is a karaoke song. Yeah. What did you pick for most singable? I ended up going with hallelujah. I was just back and forth between this for best song or not, but like, it's definitely a song that you would belt out. I feel like, Oh yeah. you know, really loud, really um, powerful chorus. So yeah, I went with hallelujah. What did you feel was the most underrated song? Uh, so another album closer in Possible Year. This is him doing like the lounge singer thing, like mm. the kind of the Sinatra-esque, um, you know, the closer where it's just like, okay, tip your waitresses, we're going home. Here's this ballad. But I liked it. I, it's just, I really vibed with this one. So I want that one. I went with Impossible Year. What'd you go with for, for most underrated? Uh, I went with the good, the bad, and the dirty. Um, I I don't know. I I like the beat. I like the song. I like it's me talking about this whole album. I'm like I like it. It's a good yeah. car album. <laughs> like it's a good. You're gonna go on a road trip and you need something that's loud but fun and like you want diversity within the within the album and even within songs and you want to like just have like a pretty upbeat vibe. This is it. And so this is one of those songs that I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this is just, you listen to it and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm just like, I'm amped. I agree. I was listening to this album actually as I was washing dishes and (laughs) it just, it gives you energy. It does. Gives you energy. It's makes you move. It's good. It's very solid, but 
I think hands down a seat at the table wins this round. I agree. This was, I mean, I, this is uh, listening to this album I, I, as I was done and I, you know, I've said it, I sound like a broken record, but I'm like, this is why we're doing this. Yeah. It's, it's to find gems like this and just what a, what a gem of an album. It's incredible, incredible. And, you know, a lot of my friends have already, um, are, are aware of it, but might not have actually like sat down and listened to it all the way through. So I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely going to, um, make them listen to this one because it's, it's just really really great great albums across the board here oh yeah this is a good time it's always a good time and like more music more albums to put into the general rotation i'm always a fan of that do you want to tell the people what we're doing next week yes so next week we will be talking about albums that came out the year well the years because we were not born the same year but the years that we were born so Get excited for albums that came out in 89 and 93. Because we, we, neither of us know what we're going to do yet. Not even a little bit. And no. knowing like the vibes of like those years, like it could be, it could get really interesting and fun. So I'm excited to do that. Um, I'm, I'm sure one of us will pick a grunge band. <laughs> <laughs> I want it, I want it to be good. I want to do. I want to do at least one that's kind of just like, I have no idea anything about the album. So we'll, we'll look into it. Oh yeah. We'll make it happen, but we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. See you all next time.